Hello, my name is Taylor Clement. I'm head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Catherine Matthews, the new school nurse at Kirk Day School. And so today's podcast is to interview Catherine, to get to know her. Uh, We're going to hear a little bit about who she is and and where God's called her. And then we'll talk, yes, about COVID. So um, I know that's, that's on everybody's minds, especially in January of 2022. Um, So first question is, how are your breaks? I mean, you, you, Catherine, you specifically were coming from a Christmas break, new year, new job. How was that? There's been a lot of transition in our house. So it was good. We did not travel for Christmas, which was really nice because we got to at least stay put in our own, our own space. But a lot of people came to us. My husband is also um, doing an interim pastorate at our local church. And so we had Christmas Eve service and day after Christmas and yeah. just a lot of coming and going. But it was a good holiday. Yeah, I gave ben Nice Porter, to be here. I gave Ben Porter a hard time. I was like, whoa, you're preaching the day after Christmas? That, that's no. strong for a senior pastor. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. that's all. That's a lot for you guys. Maria, what, what about you? Uh, yeah, we had everybody come in before Christmas, uh, and so we stayed home. We didn't, I mean, we went up to St. Charles for the little Christmas parade, and that was it. So um, it was just the four of us, which was great because we all got sick, So, oh. which is, you know, common common theme for, for us. But it was really slow. It was really nice to have a full two weeks, too. Yeah. That was awesome. So, and kudos to whoever gave us the Monday off, too. I don't know how that worked you in know, the planning, but that was awesome. We'll credit that to, to God's providence, um, but also when Jeannie and I started planning the calendar, we're always like, yeah, we don't want to come back on a Monday, January 3rd. Yes. Um, that's kind of our, that's always rough. Um, and for for those listening, it may it may sound very simpleton of being like, wait, what? You, you want to come back on a Monday? Like, power up. It, coming back, and when you think about waking up early, getting up early, getting back to school, having the energy to kind of perform in front of kids. Our teachers can't really hide in offices. Um, We don't have, they they don't really get that kind of slow water cooler grind back to back, Mm -hmm. back to work. Um, It is hit the ground running. And so you really want to give them as much time as possible. But, you know, speaking of being sick, our whole family had COVID went through that, went through that deal. But I was telling my wife last night, I listed probably 10 different families that work at the school that have have a staff person that all had COVID uh, over the break. Now, yeah, fortunately, everybody yeah. is, seems to be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we had I know one teacher that that had it uh, and and was concerned uh, about some severity. She's back today, which is awesome. But yeah, it's it, it was a big deal. But those, the two weeks itself were, were really nice. And the, I know the three of us all have small children, and man, small kids at Christmas, there's something really sweet it's about magical. it. It's magical. It really is. is. Yeah. And even with all of the the things around you, you know, I mean, we do toys and, and stuff. We don't do Santa, but we, we have, you know, all the toys laid out and stuff. And it's like, you're just swimming in wrapping paper. And <laughs> I was swimming in Paw Patrol stuff for the majority of the morning. And they were just glued to those those new toys for a long time, which is really nice. We went to pick someone up at, at the airport, and we told uh, Betsy that the um, air traffic control tower was the uh, Paw Patrol oh, Paw tower. Paw Patrol tower. That's, that's awesome. awesome. And she was so confused. <laughs> so confused. Oh, that's so and, funny. And that was actually really yeah. funny. So for those listening, if you do have little kids, tell them that. Yeah, Next time you drive on I-70, uh, probably east for the majority of our listeners, um, and yeah, that, that will cause your your young child to all the wheels will just go crazy. They won't know what to do. I love it. 
We got really into trains this Christmas. Mm. So we have a neighbor who lives three doors down that goes over the top for Christmas. Like the yard is full of blow-ups of every size and shape. And the inside of the house actually has more um, Christmas decor than the outside does. Wow! And so every day at four before Christmas, he kind of gets everything ready so that little kids can come and knock on his door and come in to see all of the Christmas stuff. In particular, he has this train that goes around the base of their tree, but under the tree it's set up with like a little village and every single piece lights up, moves. Like one, they're ice skating. One, it's, you know, a cobbler shop and they're making shoes. One is Santa's workshop. It's just a little bit of everything. And so for days on end, we went and knocked on Mr. Oliver's door (laughs) and went to see the train and just watching my three-year-old daughter, her eyes were as big as saucers and so excited about this magical train underneath his Christmas tree. That's so sweet. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that you went multiple times too. Like days in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I will say he actually ended up giving us one of his previous trains because we went so often. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So we now had a have a train of our own. (laughs) That's great. Well you're mentioning your daughter. Tell us a little bit, Catherine, about your family um, and and maybe go into what brought you to St. Louis and then then we'll talk a little bit more about your history from there. But tell tell us about your family first. Yeah, so uh, my husband, Brad, teaches at Covenant Seminary. Um, He is a New Testament professor and does a lot of applied theology as well. Um, But he's been here in St. Louis. He went to Covenant, went away for his um, Ph.D. program in England, and then came back. So he's been here for, I think this is year 14 or 15, um, that he's been teaching at Covenant. So Uh, He also recently became the dean of faculty, Um, and so he's adding on that that job description this year, which has been fun and a challenge and a learning curve as well. Um, But he loves what he does and um, has loved Covenant and that community. Um, We have a three-year-old daughter. Her name is Dottie. Um, So she's named for my husband's grandmother, Dorothy, um, who went by Grandma Dot. And we, we've decided to call um, our daughter Dottie. Um, but she is great. She's three and getting into imaginary play. And we're big into everything from baby dolls to hammers and tools and um, a little bit of everything in between. But she is a lot of fun and keeps us on our toes for sure. That's so. Awesome. That's really sweet. Now, what brought you to St. Louis? You, you're from Mississippi originally. Yeah. You're an Auburn grad. I am. Um, so, so talk to us a little bit about your path to getting to St. Louis, and and maybe interject your work history into that as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So I did. I grew up in the Deep South in Mississippi. Um, for a lot of the families who have grown up at Kirk School, um, I actually grew up in Wilson Benton's church in a tiny little town called Cleveland, Mississippi. And my dad was an elder there. We actually moved out of that town the same time that the Bentons moved here to St. Louis. So we moved to another town about an hour away, and they moved up here. So a lot of my childhood was actually spent coming up here for holidays, um, just to come visit. We would spend Thanksgivings here and and things like that. Um, So the Kirk feels like familiar and a part of my childhood, which is um, just the Lord's uh, the way that he weaves our stories together, coming to work here at this point in life, 
um, is something I never would have thought of. And yet it's such a sweet um, connection to a big piece of my childhood. Um, So grew up in Mississippi, went to Auburn um, in Alabama, went to school there and loved it. Um, War Eagle for any Auburn fans. Um, There actually there were a number of now that I think about it, there were a number of Kirk kids that um, were at Auburn with me and in RUF as well. So Tim Pitzer and George Edema and um, there's a strong legacy of this kind of Kirk Westminster crew. Um, hitting the Auburn campus. It's really amazing. Yeah, that we had a really tight-knit RUF community, and there were so many Kirk kids in that. Um, it's just been, that's another kind of fun connection through the years. But um, So after Auburn, um, I actually did my first degree at Auburn in philosophy and thought I was headed to law school, realized kind of late in the game, end of junior year, that I was not interested in law and ended up um, pursuing nursing, of all things. It was not um, where I thought I would be, but it's exactly where the Lord would have me. Um, I wanted a profession that, in a lot of ways, would force me to live the way I said I wanted to live, Um, meaning not just talk about or look at some of the brokenness or problems in the world, but actually engage in them, engage in a way that would be um, redemptive, hopefully. Um, So I ended up in nursing and uh, graduated from the Auburn Nursing Program, stayed and worked in a little town in Georgia for about a year and a half. I was doing night shift and could not handle nights anymore. And so ended up um, taking a job in Austin, Texas. So my brother-in-law had planted an RUF and then a church in Austin. And I went to be there with my sister and brother-in-law and loved my years there. It was sweet and wonderful church community. Some of my like dearest life friends were made in those years. Um, I worked at a hospital in Austin um, that focused on a lot of uh, cardiac care. So I ended up in adult cardiology, um, worked on a cardiac floor doing everything from um, ruling out heart attacks to um, helping people that were on ventricular assist devices waiting for a heart transplant. Um, We did a lot of different things and it was a fun season um, in my 20s of of being um, really immersed in in my work. But I realized in those those years that that there were other things that I enjoyed as well, namely camp. I had grown up going to camp all my life, loved it. And so in the summers, I would spend two weeks almost every summer um, at Alpine Camp for Boys um, as their camp nurse. And it was such a beautiful balance for me of this really intense, um, you know, hospital nursing and then coming to camp. And uh, I tell the story a lot, but my first kiddo at camp, um, first summer, I am kind of getting my feet wet as a camp nurse and he comes in just crying. He had been in mountain biking class going down this big hill and, you know, hands in the air, having the greatest time of his life. And he wiped out and had, ouch, yeah, it was a big wipeout too. It's a big hill, lots of gravel. So he came in with two just skinned up knees. He was a a mess and crying, but through his tears, as we're saying like, okay, like, buddy, we'll get you cleaned up. You'll be fine. Through his tears, he's saying, but can I go back to horseback next period? And I was like, 
Yes. Like working with kids was such a beautiful picture of um, just resiliency. And they are so eager and wired for adventure and, um, and trying new things and just the way that they experience life so fully. Um, it was just beautiful. And I feel like that, that kind of taste of what, what I think school nursing will be as well, but that taste of pediatric nursing in the camp context was just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And you get, and truth be told, at least in the school setting, I know things are different at home when you're, when your own child is sick, you do get a sweet version of those, of, of those kids because they're in this really vulnerable state and, and there is something really sweet to that. And granted, I'm glad that we have you now uh, to, to assist with that. But, you know, go, how did you remind me again? And, and I know, but remind our listeners how you got to St. Louis mm-hmm. from Alpine. Yeah. Now, let me ask you that. Yeah. So in those years in Austin, working as a camp nurse at Alpine in the summers, um, I honestly, I came to a point with my nursing that I thought, you know what, I need a break for my own kind of well-being. I need to take a little bit of a step back and um, had a group of friends that helped me figure out what that would look like. And of all things, it ended up being Covenant Seminary. It was, as you can imagine, with my first degree being philosophy, I love school and I love time to just kind of sit and wrestle with things. And so for me, coming to Covenant was this beautiful time that the Lord carved out that I got to sit and wrestle with the theology I'd grown up with, um, wrestle with who the Lord is and what he's called us to in a world that is broken. And a lot of times, especially in a a nursing context like I was in, um, a lot of times there's just a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. And so having um, this season where I could step back and, um, and really do business with the Lord um, was so helpful for me. I knew when I came to Covenant that I, I wasn't switching professions. Um, and so I always saw it as an adjunct to my nursing. So nursing as a Christian, um, like what does it look like for me to, to work in the realm of healthcare? Um, as a believer, and how do I see that as an extension of the redemptive work that the Lord is doing in our midst? Um, and so those years at Covenant were really a time for me to explore that. And one of the things that was so fun is, one, it brought me to St. Louis, where I had these childhood memories. Um, but two, I was able to do a lot of independent studies with some of my professors specifically on a biblical view of healthcare and how I in particular fit into um, the redemptive work that the Lord is doing. And so it was a great time not only to wrestle, but to learn and to have more tools in my tool belt as I went back into my profession. So that's how I ended up in yeah. St. Louis originally. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it just, you know, that's one of the missions of Kirk Day School, right, is to figure or to help our students look at the world from a Christian perspective mm-hmm. um, and giving them that Christian worldview, no matter what they do. Um, I mean, that's been part of our focus of our yeah. staff this year is biblical integration. How can we look at something like math and see the Lord's hand mm-hmm. in it? And it's that's 
that that was your time at Covenant. How can I yep. look at healthcare and see the Lord's hand in it, which has major implications for how you do your job, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think one of the things that it's done, um, even in a time and a season, I know we'll get to COVID in a minute, but even in a season where we're kind of overwhelmed with talking about our health and how to keep each other well and how to keep ourselves well, one of the things that it has done has has been to further root me mm. in the truth that the Lord is at work in our midst. He is good. Um Yes, the world is broken, but that is not the final, the final word or the final story. And that as God is at work redeeming all things through Jesus, we get a little taste of it now. And there's a pastor that I had early um, in my time here in St. Louis, and he used to talk about peeling off little corners of the darkness. Yeah. And so I think being more rooted in that understanding and surety mm-hmm. helps as as I walk into my profession but but to your point it helps all of us in our different professions yeah. and I mean obviously you know brokenness in the cardiac nursing world looks different mm-hmm. than brokenness when somebody scrapes a knee on the playground but to the kid that scraped their knee or to the the boy that you had that I mean that is their world yeah. and they are interacting with the brokenness of the world yep. in that moment. And it's it's um, a unique position to be able to sit with someone as they're interacting with the brokenness, you know, in such a vivid and physical yeah. way. Yeah, I think being a parent um, has taught me that in a new way. Yeah, for sure. Because it's not just that it's it's hard for them or they're dealing with brokenness, especially for those of us with little people Um, But kind of at all ages of childhood, they're dealing with it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is our privilege and responsibility as parents and in this role in school to be able to help them make sense of that and to help them make sense of um, this is not the final word um, that the Lord wants to hear about the things that make you scared and the things that hurt and wants to know, and that he is at work making it better, making the sad things come untrue. Yeah. yeah. Well, and again, we're, we're, we're kind of tripping and uh, of this, this COVID, we'll get there. But your job's bigger than COVID, and the school's needed a nurse for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've been of the size and, and everything, but I think COVID um, rightfully exposed an area that we needed more medical uh, assistance and help. And so the, the board um, graciously said, yes, let's, let's go get a school nurse. And God provided you to us, and, and it has worked out well. But talk about the role of a school nurse from, from your perspective. Um, I know it's early. This is day two for you. <laughs> I, 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 told, I told Catherine earlier today I was just glad she showed back up. That's, that's great. Um, Wow, that's awesome. Uh, but, you know, talk about the role as a school nurse um, because it's more than COVID, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more than, than COVID, even though COVID seems to be this, you know, kind of shadow that, that's darkened everyone's door. It's not quite that for your role, um, even though that, that will play into it. It's not going to be the domineering factor of your role. So I, w- I would love for you just to kind of mm-hmm. expound upon the, the practicing theology of, of nursing uh, as you see it within the, within the school realm, and then we'll, we'll start talking a little bit about COVID. Um, 
So I love that phrase, the theology of nursing, because especially what we've already been talking about as believers, it informs what we do and why we do it. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about the role of a nurse in this context of a school, but not just a school, a Christian school whose mission is to come alongside parents um, who are already teaching and nurturing and caring for their children. Um, the way that we approach that from a theological perspective actually really matters. Yes. Um, so I think kind of thinking about how the Lord wired us as whole people, there are a lot of complex parts to us. We have minds, we have bodies, we have emotions, and the role of a parent and the role of a school is to help nurture and protect and grow and um, equip each of those parts. And so for a school nurse in a context like Kirk Day School, um, I see my role as helping with caring for these kiddos in their bodies, in their health so that um, their brains can be at work learning in the classroom, so that um, as they are experiencing parts of the world that are hard to understand, are broken, that hurt, that are confusing, that they have a, a perspective that the Lord loves them, that they are um, cared for in him, and that even with broken parts of our bodies, um, that the Lord is still good. And so trying to think about brains that are learning, emotions that are encountering all of these um, new experiences, and, and bodies that are part of who we are in such a huge way, but oftentimes we like to ignore it or take advantage of them mm-hmm. or, you know, like our bodies help us climb and um, and run and jump and do all these fun things. And they also need tending to. And so school nursing is not just about the bumps and bruises. It's about wellness. And it's about, you know, talking about sleep. And it's about eating well. And all of the things that we as parents know, like if my daughter doesn't get a full night of sleep, she is a beast to deal with the next day. And that's true for me. It's true probably for most of us. And so those parts of who we are affect all of the things that we do. And in particular, they affect our days at school. And Mm -hmm. so I view my role as the school nurse as helping with that one little piece, as teachers help with another piece, as administration helps with another piece, so that we can help parents fulfill the mission of the school, which is to nurture and equip and educate and and provide for their kiddos. Yeah. Well, and I would say um, I would can't wait till you go and talk about eating healthy with second grade. Because <laughs> uh, I can think of one kid in there that lost his taste um, and smell due to COVID. And oh, he still would eat those vegetables. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> can't so taste only, it. It's the only time you got so yeah, that's okay. Well, let's let's switch to COVID. And thank you for that, and, and yeah. thanks for thanks for sharing that because I do I do see this being more than COVID. But I know that that where whether it's a political, whether it's a medical, 
or just a social realm that we live in, mm-hmm. COVID is dominating just about everything we do. And you think about, you know, the, the welcome out of every industrial and or private facility these days seems to have a sticker of, of some sort that says something about COVID, masking, not masking, um, you know, practicing, what, whatever that looks like. You, we all of a sudden went from the CDC of what is that um, to we all know what it is. And the director, you know, we might know the director's name more than we might know a congressman. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny how quickly things shifted. And while we are in a pandemic and, and hopefully shifting to somewhat of an endemic, uh, to, to be honest, you know, everything seems to change. And probably the hardest job that we've had I would say Maria chime in on this has been that we are really twofold. Number one, it's ever changing. And number two, we have an over-informed society. Uh, But I'm also not educated as a nurse or anything in the medical profession, right? Like, I mean, that's that's a small caveat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Yeah. So I'm just so thankful to have someone who's educated (laughs) and, and, you know, went to school for the body, um, right. I went to and school so, for the soul. So, um, it's a little different. It's yeah. Very different, but we've got this, we've got this ever changing thing that, that it's tough to keep up with because we're not educated. We don't necessarily understand those terms. I feel like we've maintained a level of education that's been, it's been healthy for the, the lay people. Sure. People that, that I mean, we, we represent, we have been very blessed we have. to have, very wise people. But now, but now we have somebody that can inform our decisions a lot more in Catherine. But, but I also think, you know, there's kind of this over-informed society as well, where we're trying to make the decisions that we think are best based on maybe the information or misinformation that we've received via social media. Um, and now we're, now we're at a point, and I would say as a school, we're at a point where we have you, Catherine, as a professional. We also have the history that, that Maria and I represent of being a school within this environment. Um, and keeping up with it. And so we're going to do our best to stay on, on track and, and frankly, on, um, on level with this virus as, as much as we can and doing an institutional push to, to maintain safety and health for our community. But also there's just a lot more information. And, you know, we think about we've come from COVID to Delta to at one point I think there was Delta Plus and then now we're at Omicron, and then there's also Florona, which is kind of the, the new one that, that's coming out where they can't distinguish between the flu and coronavirus. So um, I'm throwing all that out just more as, a, as kind of a trip down memory lane a little bit and also where, where we've been. But, you know, today as we stand, things are already shifting. And over mm-hmm. the break, we went from CDC saying quarantine 10 days for those unvaccinated and, and seven seven days to those that are vaccinated with a negative test to now we're, we're looking at five days because we saw workforces and we even have kids out today that have not been able to get back um, from, from seeing mm-hmm. family or mm-hmm. taking trips. So I'm talking a lot here, but you know, there's been so much that's been thrown at us. How do we begin to dissect and allow those things to kind of strip away with all the information that's thrown at us, especially over the past 18 months. So I'm going to start with you, Catherine. Um, <laughs> Yep. Just a small question. Just making you uh-huh. dance. That's all. Right. Um, yeah, it is a lot. And I feel like one of the things that's helpful is just for all of us to acknowledge our fatigue um, because of COVID and in the face of it is that we're all just tired and we're tired yeah. of hearing out about it and we're tired of having to factor it in mm-hmm. to our decisions. Right. Um. I think the other thing that came to mind as you were kind of walking back down all of that 
um, because it is ever-changing. You know, the CDC came out with new guidelines on Monday, and then on Tuesday they added a clarification yeah. <laughs> that honestly made me feel more confused. I would agree. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things just for us to all keep in mind with each other, um, so with parents, with school, with teachers, with kiddos, is that we're all on the same team. Like we all have the the same intention, meaning we all want what's best for our children. We all want our children to be able to learn and grow and to become the people that the Lord has created them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we don't like that there's something out there that we feel like is inhibiting it. And so we have different responses to that. But I think it's helpful to just step back and say, we all want good things. And we're all operating out of a desire for good things. We may think about it differently. We may react to it differently. um, But but at the heart of it, what we want is in the same direction. And so I think if we can remember that, especially as new variants come, there's more days that we're having to quarantine, there's more days that we're having to test, there's all these things um, that feel like they disrupt our lives. If we can remember that we want good things for each other and for our children, then I think we can be more patient with one another in that ever-changing environment. Because the truth is, the, the environment is going to keep changing mm-hmm. as new guidelines come out, as honestly as the CDC tries to do their best to sift through the information that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to see changes as soon as we think we've got it figured out. We're going to see changes. And so I think patience with one another and with doing the best that we can in the moment with the information we have is one of the the biggest factors because it's going to disrupt life. It's going to disrupt our schedules, and we're tired. Um, but but remembering that we're on the same page will be helpful. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, the fatigue. Um, I, I have heard some of it referred to. You know, the the decisions that we would have made to go to Target for, you know, two years ago. It's totally different world now. Not for everybody. I get. I get. Everybody's on a different spectrum. But for some people, that's a that looks like a much different decision now than it did two years ago. Even something as simple as that. I mean, something as simple as hanging out with your family. I mean, that looks different. I think we probably all experienced that over the holiday. Um, so yeah, it's an ever changing uh, pace that we're living. And I think from the school side, you know, one of the things that we've always tried to maintain is as much normalcy for the children as we can and put some of the brunt of the difference on on us and I think we've been fairly successful in that you know Um, and I I think we will continue to be challenged to ask ourselves how can we be flexible how can we adapt and how can we deal with our expectations not being met right because like I mean I hope for an easy semester right but we have to be realistic and just saying we we have to hold it with an open hand, you know, well, be and, flexible. and something very, very key and pertinent to but, but what you both said, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing from Catherine, especially assume positive intent, which mm-hmm. is a phrase that we use a lot within within just our working environment here at KDS. But, um, you know, I, th- I think there's there's an aspect here 
that uh, Maria, you and I were talking about this, that the decisions we have to make are more about the school than they are about our families. Mm-hmm. And and what I mean by that is 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 Taylor Clement as the head of school has to make a, deci- a different decision for the school than I would as the father of my family. Definitely. And when we're interacting with parents, I get it. Like you need to be looking out for your family and your familial unit. We believe that covenantally. That's what God's giving you. And so so that goes to the theology back back to, to what we were referencing earlier. But when it comes to these school decisions, we're trying to make the best decision for the greater good of the community at Kirk Day School. Right. And those things at times they they may they, there may be friction there mm-hmm. may be some tenuous pieces there that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be at odds but there might be some mm-hmm. some type of friction that we need to figure out and it may not be comfortable and and that's something i think that is not being exercised well within a lot of society as a whole whether that's the way you go to a store the way that that you're interacting with certain family members and you think about the the friendships and relationships mm-hmm. that have been really fractured uh, because of it. But at school, our goal is, it, we do have the same goal. Just like you said, Catherine, I, it, it, the question is, is how are we going to get to that goal? And our job is to, to look to the to the whole and look in mass, which frankly, there's a lot of Americans that don't have to look at an in mass type of situation, which is, is really healthy for them individually. It's not necessarily healthy for um, the way that we operate, especially when it comes to kids. And so that, that, that becomes a really tough, tough spot. But I just want to acknowledge that difference. Sure. Um, so when we're making calls and we're looking at changes, we're not trying to look at the, the small change that might impact your family or, or your child's soccer game. It's going to be how does this look for 25, 30, knowing that it actually would, the, the ripple effect would impact upwards of 150 people to yeah. the decision that we make. Yeah, I think there's also an opportunity, and Maria, this falls more in your um, line of expertise in counseling, um, but there's an opportunity for us as nurses, educators, parents to model for our children um, what it looks like for us to grieve or to be frustrated Mm -hmm. when things don't go according to our expectations. Mm And I know that in my own home, that is, that is a, a big challenge um, to, to model that for my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I will confess, she has started grunting under her breath. Um, and I realized, much to my dismay, that it's because a lot of times when I'm frustrated, I'll do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she started doing it. And man, there's nothing like children mirroring <laughs> oh what you gosh, do. Oh my gosh, they are the most painful mirrors. Oh. Yes, but that's um, thinking about the fatigue and thinking about what we know is coming, which is more disruption um, to what we expected. The gap between the way things are and the way they should be as Christians, we know that it's a big gap. Um, And part of our response as believers is to look at that gap honestly for what it is and to grieve it mm-hmm. um, and to pray that the Lord would you know tear off those little corners of the darkness and make what is sad come untrue mm-hmm. knowing that that will happen one day but it may not be today yeah and so we do have an opportunity 
to grieve in front of our children and to help model that for them because COVID is not going to be the last thing in their life that disrupts their expectations. It's very true. Yes. Or ours. Or ours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I found out I had COVID on Christmas Eve with family getting ready to to come in town and, you know, and, and the way that we had to walk through that and, and I say that, uh, you know, I think about how visceral my reaction felt and versus what I needed to model at that time. And I say that I, I, I did some things well, some things not so well. Yeah. Um, ask my wife. But, <laughs> uh, but that being said, you know, our, our goal, even, even as we discuss this, is not to disseminate everything that we're going to do and all the changes we're going to make right now. That, that's not the goal. But I, I hope those of you listening and those that you've listened know that our goal behind discussing COVID and any change that we would make with the CDC and, and everything else that's out there is to be intentional, to be mindful, and to see where, where does God have us in the time and space that he has us and how do we partner with families to fulfill the mission of this school, which ultimately is to help raise children to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, that's what we want to do in the nurture, educating, and equipping of it. And so... Um, I hope you're hearing that, uh, families, as you're listening. Um, and I know there's probably going to be a lot more questions. Um, I also know that, that a podcast that goes longer than 30 minutes is typically kind of too long, um, if, if, unless you're listening to, like, the Mars Hill podcast. Which, <laughs> Two um, and a half hours. Yeah, right? It was Set good, though. In. It oh, was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So that being said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut us off for now. But, um, but you know, uh, just, just to, to let parents know, um, Catherine is here. She's working for us. So, so feel free to, to call the school. Um, Jeannie can connect you with her. Uh, we can provide an, an email address uh, in the email that we send out with the podcast and, and you can converse with her as well. But uh, Catherine, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, yeah, thank you. For now. Thanks for letting me. And, yeah, I'm excited to be here. And we're, we're, we're so excited to have you. And, and for that, you know, parents, uh, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for your trust. And we'll be sending out some updates shortly. With that being said, uh, thanks as always for listening and trusting, and we will go from there.